It's not about me. I'm only here for a minute, and I know that I can't fix it. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try? Hello, welcome to Lazen Powers. This is Scott Powers, my good friend Mark Lazarus. Mark, hello. Hey Scott, how you doing? You all survived last night. Did you storm any federal buildings lately? No, it's it seems really fucking easy though, doesn't it? <laughs> I know, right? You can't even get any, you you have to like you know empty your pockets and like get a full cavity search to get into gate three and a half at the United Center, but you can just waltz right into the Senate. Michael O'Brien had tweeted yesterday that he saw more more security at Chicago Public League Championship games <laughs> than they did at the fucking Capitol. It's oh, hundred percent. It's like going to cover a basketball game in uh, you know in Gary or East Chicago. I mean, you gotta like they, they make you work to get in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, we are safe and at home and we actually saw each other this week, which is, we did. Yeah. Good to see you. Um, I gotta say like the last, the last, not to get off on too much of a tangent here, but the last four years and especially the last 10 months in particular, they really just, it it just beats you over the head how stupid it is what we do for a living, isn't it? How frivolous, how frivolous we, we just really are in the grand scheme of things. No, it's, yeah, there's definitely been a lot of days over the last couple of years where you just, you don't feel like... We're, we're entertainers in a way, right? Like, it's yeah. just we, we provide a service for people. There, there's some journalism involved, but there's also just, uh, yeah, we entertain people, and this is a distraction for a lot of people. And I always tell students that we're infotainers. It's infotainment. You know, it's like we're like we're like hard copy in the 90s. We're sort of journalism, but we're really just more to keep you, keep you occupied. Yeah, we, we tell you what the entertainers do. But uh, Blackhawks, yeah, we, we actually had I, – I, I, I was all excited about Monday. I – you know, I, I had bought all these uh, custom clothing that I, I, I hadn't had a chance to wear, so I got to put on put on that, and, you know, I, I changed the filter on my mask, and I was, I was ready to go, and, yeah, it was, uh, um, yeah, it was, it's, it's been, you know, it's been interesting. I, 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 again, it's training camp, so you don't, you don't know what exactly is real and what's not real, but it's, uh, it seems like it's been a good pace, and the people they probably want to look good have been looking good, and, you know, we can get into, we can get into some of our, our observations, but, um, yeah, I, I think everyone, you know, from from media onto the ice, have been just excited to you know be playing hockey again. It was it's cliche, but it was just nice to like feel the chill of the rink again, and you know, it's cold. Uh, it, it, yeah, you've been whining about that a lot. It really isn't that cold. <laughs> I think you've just gone soft. I think so. Maybe. <laughs> it's I was I was I was grilling yesterday in in a t shirt outside, so maybe I'm just a psychopath. I don't know, but um, you know, my my back hurts again. My back hasn't hurt in like nine oh. months because I I haven't had a hunch over a computer for five straight hours. Yeah. No, it's back, baby. That's a familiar sting. It's like I'm working again. So uh, no, it, it is. It's nice to hear the sounds, the 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 skates carving the ice, the guys yelling and screaming and laughing at each other. You know, Colleton trying to yell through a mask. It's it's just it feels good to be around the rink again. And, and it, this year is going to be different. Obviously, we're not going to be around it nearly as much. We're not going to be traveling. We're not going to be at road games because there's really no value in it with all access being virtual. But uh, I'm looking forward to you know we have to wait a, a couple of weeks before we get a real a real game at the United Center, but. Christ, I haven't been in the United Center since March 11th. That's crazy to think of. My my Facebook memories every day are just like, oh, flight delay here. Oh, it's cold in Winnipeg. Oh, look at me. I'm in Southern California. Ha ha. And it's like it's like a different life that I led a million years ago. It's like it doesn't even register anymore. Yeah, I, don't, I, I can't think of the last time I was on a plane. Like, I, it's going to be like a full year. I think it was that Western Canada trip for me where the, the hawk season fell apart in February. That's the last time I really traveled. Yeah, I was I was supposed to go to Minnesota like the few I think almost right after uh, yeah. things got delayed. 
Um, a year ago today, I was in South Florida talking to Joel Quenville for uh, ahead of his first game against the Blackhawks. Wow. Doesn't that feel like that was seven seasons ago? Yeah. Well, even like yesterday just felt like an entire year, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's what, March 436th now? Yeah. Um, anyway, let's talk hockey. I was going to, you know, I, I think no one was more excited to be out there than Shaw, Andrew Shaw, and you obviously wrote about that today. And what uh, what were you, I don't know, what, what did you take from him, what he said yesterday? And, and uh, you know, people obviously should go tr- tr- read your column, but just uh, I, he's obviously excited to be out there and happy to be playing again. Yeah, I, I was, I was you know, I, I've been asking to talk to him since, you know, a year ago. And he kept saying that he didn't want to do it until he knew what he was going to do. And then when he announced he was going to come back, I think it was on an Instagram post, I put in more requests and he just, oh, we'll wait till training camp. So I was really curious to hear him to hear him talk about it because he's not a guy that's known for his maturity, let's say. He's always been kind of a kid, even though he's in his late 20s. He's kind of always been boyish and silly and goofy. Uh, I was really, I felt really good listening to him yesterday. He sounded really happy, very comfortable with his where he is in his life and his family. He sounded really well-adjusted and mature. He was talking about, look, I love hockey. I want to play it as long as I can, but I know now that I don't need hockey. He kept saying, Andrew Shaw is not hockey. Now, I always roll my eyes when someone refers to themselves in the third person. But but it was, it was he's talking about, you know, spending time with his kids. And I mean, the, the, you know, he that was the good thing about all this. If there's a good thing to having serious brain injuries is that he got to spend a, a year at home in his prime of his life with his wife and with his, uh, his kids. He has a kid born in January, his second kid. And he just, he sounded like a grown-up. You know, he still made his goofy Andrew Shaw jokes that everyone loves. and But he just sounded... He sounded like a different guy. He sounded like a guy who was just so much more comfortable in his skin than he was. You know, I always felt like when he was, you know, first, you know, we, we've covered him since basically his sec- his first full season was the 2013 year. And he was always like combative in a way where, you know, I, I do belong here, damn it. I do. And he always kind of came off almost standoffish, um, even when he was a, a proven performer and champion. But just to hear him yesterday, it was, it was really heartening to hear that a guy uh, has found some peace with himself. And we all know Andrew Shaw is not going to be playing when he's 40 years old. His style of play doesn't lend itself to that. And he's always one hit away from his career being over. And that's a terrifying thought. But that, that, that's a thought that, that, that haunts a lot of players. He seems like he's reached a place where he's going to be okay when it happens. As long as he's physically okay, as long as he can recover from whatever it is, he's going to be okay uh, post-hockey. And that's something that a lot of players struggle with. So it, it was... It was really good to hear and what a good place he is right now. And he looked good on the ice. I mean, honestly, he's skating hard. He's he's yeah. digging pucks out of the corner. He looks like himself. Yeah, and I, I think there are a few players that have stood out, and I think Shaw's just jump and, and energy has been one of them. I, I think I think Lucas Walmarks looked really good. I, yeah. I think what, what they what they want him to be is uh and you know, he's setting on players and you can tell that he's a big body and he's getting he can defend and um, you know, I think Zdorov's, you know, looked the part so far. And again, it's like, you don't want to get, get too, too caught up in what the training camp is. And I, and I feel like the Marco Dano, uh, Marion Hosa, Jonathan Tate's line always tells you that. <laughs> and then, then even last year was, you know, you, you thought that Nylander, uh, Nylander's Strom Kane line was going to explode in the, in the playoffs. And, you know, for Nylander to have zero points was, was astonishing after what you saw. So I, I, I try not to get too much. And, and this is a lot harder, I'm sure, though, for the coaches, too, that, just evaluating goalies and players and only having scrimmages and and not to have the preseason games. I mean, I feel like people's people's fates were often determined by a good or bad preseason game. So not to have that it should be interesting. But I I, I know the Blackhawks miss Taves and, and and Seabrook in the room in some ways. But I I also feel like it 
those guys not being there maybe helps the Blackhawks in some way where, where Colleton doesn't have, um, I feel like those are the guys who are not anti-Colleton, but maybe just that they, like it was, like Taves' role is important to him, you know, and, and Seabrook being on the ice is important. And I, and I feel like of the core that, from just talking to Keith and Duncan Keith and Kane this week, that I feel like they embraced the rebuild and working with the, the younger guys a lot more than, um, not, not that Taves and Seabrook don't, but it, it just it feels different. Like where they're they're more on board with the rebuild than than the others. You know, I hadn't thought about that, but when you put it that way, I think you're right. I mean, I don't think Taves and you know Seabrook's a different animal because it's it's been a little more combative sometimes. Um, uh, Taves, he's certainly not actively rebelling against what Colleton wants to do, but yeah, there does seem to be like there's a buy-in from Patrick Kane. Like you can tell he's like, you know what, I know what this is. Um, he knows he's the leader of those young guys and he's buying in and Duncan Keith, I'll be writing about this in the coming days. I, I talked to him a little bit yesterday about it and talked to Connor Murphy about it today. He is wholeheartedly embraced this mentor role. And this is not the same guy that, you know, from the early to the early 2010s, who was scary to be around for young players. I mean, he was legitimately scary to some of these guys. Uh, he's not that way anymore. He's not cuddly. He's not like a super warm and cuddly guy, but he goes out of his way to make young guys feel comfortable. He talks them. I mean, you had that video. Oh my God. The other day, I think it was the first day of camp where he was just, he humiliated Crudel out there. You know, just, it was, it was like, it was like a, uh, it was like in Spaceballs where Darth Helmet and uh, Lone Star are fighting. He's just holding him away. Like you just felt terrible for the kid. Like, oh my God, he's, he's belittling this guy. And then like 10 minutes later, he's got him uh, by the side of the, uh, you know, by the bench, just talking to him, just talking to him. Like that's, that's a big deal. He's Duncan yeah. Keith. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a two-time Norris winner, a three-time champion, a Con Smythe winner. And he's going out of his way to make these guys feel better after teaching them a lesson the hard way. I think he's he talks a lot about his son these days. I talked to Stan Bowman uh, the other day, and he mentioned that the last time he talked to Keith, they barely talked about hockey at all. They were just talking about Colton Keith, his kid, who's playing hockey now. He thinks he wants, he wants to be a player. And, and Duncan Keith, at this stage of his career, he's still the, the fire still burns for him. But he also really seems to be embracing this mentor role, this teaching role. Uh, and that's what Jeremy Colleton needs. He needs those two guys, Keith and Kane. They're the two guys he needs right now to be fully bought in. And, and, and now that you mentioned it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a loose room right now. Everyone seems to be in good spirits despite everyone saying they're going to be just objectively awful. So uh, I don't know. There, there's, it's a different leadership room. You know, Seabrook and Taves are phenomenal leaders that everybody loves and they're great to young players and all that stuff. But they suck a lot of oxygen out of the room. So maybe having Keith and Kane kind of be bigger voices, they've always been voices, but bigger voices, maybe that has a positive effect. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think there's a vibe to it. It's just, it just yeah. I, and I think it also allows Colleton that just there's expectations when Taves on the ice. And, the, and, I, and, I, and I felt like it was changing a little bit with Doc last year when the playoffs were Doc had the most five-on-five five ice time. And I feel like it was going to start swaying that way. But... I, you know, Kane, Kane and Keith are going to still get theirs because they're capable. But, I mean, you look at, you know, Taves still had some offensive ability. But his defensive game, like his numbers, the numbers have dropped. Like he's just not the same player. He, he's not as effective in the defensive zone and, and, and certainly know about Seabrook's regression. So I, I think the fact that he doesn't call to maybe doesn't have to worry about the ice time. I, I don't I don't know if it's necessarily going to help them in the in the short term. I, I still think I think this still think this team struggles and, and they don't have 
anyone that can play, you know. I mean, I don't think they have a one or a two center. I think Soderberg and Strom are fine, but I don't think either one of those are, are anything close to what they were going to have. But I, I think it does allow him to, you know, it, it allows them to have this rebuild season. Like, if they, it, it's unfortunate for them that Nylander and, and Doc got injured because then yeah. you could really, you know, really, really throw them in this sort of setting and, and give them the ice time and give those guys opportunity. But, um, I, I think that it's going to allow him to move around pieces and, and try some different things and, and not have anyone's feelings, you know, heard about how much they get or that sort of thing. So um, I, I also, you know, like I, 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 I think I could have been sold. And I, we've said this before. I think I could have been sold. The Blackhawks could have been decent this year. Cause I think, I think Walmart and Zadorov and some of these guys do make the Blackhawks better. I, I still just, I have no idea about the goalies. Like I, I, this, this seems like such a, um, and, you know, we're watching the goalies, and, and I have no idea what I'm looking at half the time. You know, like, you're trying to assess it, especially in a practice. It's hard, but um, I, I don't know if these guys are capable, you know, and I, I'm not sure the Blackhawks do either. Like I, No, that's uh, what this year's about, right? Figuring out if they are capable. Yeah, just it, it's weird because cause even with Columbus last year, you, you sort of had an idea that some of those guys were ready. Um, it's, it's not like, you know, it's... Dealey has had some success in the AHL, and Subin's had some success. You know, he had some success in the AHL, but these guys weren't like people. You know, the goalies that everyone was talking about, like this guy needs a chance, or this guy's the up and comer. So, I uh, yeah, I, I, again, I'm I'm curious how this unfolds next week, with especially starting in Tampa. But I, I feel like the other parts, and they might be better defensively. I think Ian Mitchell's looked the part too. I think he's been pretty good, and you know, they're hopeful that Boquist takes a step forward, and I think they're going to give him the give him the power play. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, it's, it's still the, the goaltending and, and I, I, again, they're probably just not deep enough. I, I think that, you know, I think someone like Brandon Perry might surprise some people finding a role just because I, I think offense is going to be a bit of an issue, even though you have, uh, you have some offense throughout the lineup, but I don't like, it's where like, I was looking at Brandon Perry's numbers. Like he scored more career goals than, than Janmark and Walmark and, uh, and by, by a good extent. He does you know, one like, thing very well. He scores yeah. goals. And and that's right. His his place might be on the team, just you know, because they don't have a whole lot of that. I mean, he. I, I think the Nylander injury is the one that really opened it up for him because that's you know for all the all the grief Nylander g- took, he was one of the more productive forwards the Blackhawks had. It tended to come in fits and starts, but he scored. He produced, and Peary's really the only guy they have that can produce. That is proven he can score at the NHL level. Um, that's very rude of you, Scott, to have your cell phone on during the podcast. <laughs> I mean, it happened during the Senate yesterday, though, so I guess I'll allow it. Um, <laughs> I, I I do think it, it's funny because I thought when they when they traded Secure for Peary, I'm like, why? He's just going to be the Rockford captain or what? But with yeah. all the fallout of all the people they've lost, Peary becomes an interesting figure. I think he's going to be the guy they look to on like the third line to be that depth scorer that they need. He's going to play 15 minutes a night potentially because everyone else they have, while higher on the priority scale of like getting young guys in the in the, in in the game, they're all bottom six guys. They're grinders. They need those guys. But they also need people who can score besides Kane and Stroman to bring it. So it'll be interesting to see how they use him because he strikes me as the perfect taxi squad guy. You don't need Brandon Peary to play, but you have him if you need to score goals. You can just insert him at almost any time and get some instant offense out of him. Yeah, and, and, and it's still finding a balance of – because without Nylander and Doc, your lineup is so much so much older. And, and you have a couple of younger guys into Brinkett and Stroman, but – like you still need to give Hagel and you know some of those guys opportunities. You know, like you can't have them their block their path blocked by Perry. You know, like right. and it's unfortunate they don't have a lot of offensive guys coming up. I mean, Entwistle and 
Um, who else is uh, you know Kurdishev? Kurdishev's a distributor. Evan, uh, you know, Ed, Antwerp, Evan Barrett. I mean, I mean, there's names out. Yeah, there. I mean, there's yeah. Evan Barrett has some offset, but they're all bottoms. You know, a lot of them are bottom right. six guys. There's not a lot of guys who are like like a Lucas Reichel would make it. You know, like I, I'd bring Lucas Reichel in the fold to play five six games at the end of the season just because he is an offensive player. You know, like I just they they don't have a lot of guys that that are coming up that are that have performed. Yeah, like even I mean, Sikari had put up some numbers and. And, and Secure probably deserved a shot on this sort of team, you know? Like, they just, you know, Hagel, Hagel led the Rockford in scoring last year, so maybe led goals, so maybe there's an opportunity. Um, and, I, I mean, Highmore isn't, you know, young or old. He's probably in that spot now. So, um, you know, that's that line's obviously going to get an opportunity with, with Camp and Carpenter. Um, but I, I think it's more defensively. I mean, it's probably Ian Mitchell and Boquist is where the focus is. And, the, I mean, those are the guys that... They, they they need to to take uh, a step and and certainly it'll be interesting because I, I think Mitchell will start on opening night and um, to see what he kind of brings. You know, it's funny we've talked for so long about how you know Blackhawks don't need to worry about scoring; they need to fix the defense. And now they've spent so much time course correcting; they have too many defensemen. I mean, yeah. you know, Mitchell and Boquist are going to get their time. Murphy and Dehan are good, solid guys. Keith's obviously going to get his minutes. I think Lucas Carlson and Wyatt Kalanuck have looked really good in camp. Again, it's camp. you got to take everything with a grain of salt. I like what I've seen out of Kalanuck. I think he signed expecting to get a chance. He has mm-hmm. no chance. There's yeah. no chance of him breaking this, cracking this lineup. Lucas Carlson, you know, he'd be the first guy off the, the taxi squad probably at this point. He's the number seven, I would assume, especially with Seabrook out for the time being. But there's all of a sudden, there's a lot of promising young guys on the back end, and there's nobody coming up that can score. I mean, you need – it's going to be Reichel, and it's going to have to be Doc. It's the guys you have. It's Nylander because they, all the prospects that, guy've, that they've been grooming in Rockford are that bottom six type. It's the Highmores and the Hagels and the – you know, we don't know what Kurashev can be yet, but he strikes me as a kind of a third-line center kind of guy. Yeah. And, and Kurashev, I mean, he doesn't – I mean, even in Switzerland, I don't think in – I think he ended up playing 10, 11 league games or whatever it was. He didn't score a single goal while he was in Switzerland. Right. Like, he, he, he sets them up. He's a lot like Strom where that they're – they're they're great playmakers, but you're not expecting a whole lot of goals. So, yeah, I uh, yeah I think that's interesting because they, they cause it's it's hurt some of the draft picks have hurt them. I mean they they thought the guys like Nicholas Norgren um, and Jake Wise and some of these guys you know yeah. third round picks or so that would have you know maybe started making their way over here and and, and certainly you know Graham not, guys like Graham not you know just not panning out certainly hurt them. Um, so there there isn't a lot of yeah the, the prospect pool is it's interesting now because there's new guys coming in and. Um, you know, you know, bringing players over and signing new guys, but even like guys like Soderlund stuff, you know, like Soderlund maybe has a chance at the bottom six eventually, but yeah, it's, it's, they're, they're all really far away and, um, and, and like, and, you know, uh, uh, Chalupa and, you know, like he's, um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I think he's a project and he's not much of a goal scorer. He's more of a bottom six guy with some size and speed and, um, a- yeah, am I crazy? You, 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 you're the prospect guy. So let me ask you this. Am I crazy in thinking Michael Tepley has looked really good? He's oh, yeah, he's, a, he's 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 got a good shot. He's around the puck all the time. I kind of like him. Yeah, no, I, I think what he does is he he scores goals and he's offense. It's funny because uh, Corey Promen actually passed something on yesterday where the the Czech coach was criticizing Tepley for for not showing enough enthusiasm and like energy. While and they almost they, he said that they almost kicked him out of camp. Like they were going to send oh him God. home. So uh, <laughs> it was interesting. But yeah, I, I think Tepley like. He's not. Uh, he doesn't. He's not a great skater, and he doesn't like. He's never going to pop. But I think around some talented players, like he can score some goals, and he has some ability. I don't think he had a great. I, mean, I don't think that Czech team had a great uh, World Junior tournament. But yeah, I think there's something with Tapley there. 
Uh, but I'm again, it's, it's all it's all low ceiling guys. That's yeah. the alarming thing is you have guys that they might be serviceable NHL players. I don't see any stars coming up anytime yeah. soon. And then, I mean that's the problem too. I mean, is is as good as Secure? Like you, ultimately, you need guys like Secure, not just to perform well in Rockford either. Like you know, Hagel leading them in in goal scoring in Rockford, and and Highmore led them before. But wh- what's the where's the transferable rate? Right, like Highmore. Um, maybe like he he scored a couple of goals in the playoffs last year, but I don't think he's a twenty goal scorer, right? Like yeah. it just it's it, at some point you need the guys that because even when they traded for um uh who they trade the Finnish kid uh oh Lexi Sorella that when they traded him for Carolina, you know he right. had scored 30, 40 goals in in the AHL and so they traded him away after like three or four games. Like I, I think I think <laughs> he, had just, a, he had a little bit of an attitude problem. He was yeah, not yeah. he was and, not and he's happy. Got, yeah. He's got a little. He's got a little bit of action in Florida, but I, I, I can't imagine that he's a player that Joel loves either. Um, <laughs> he's got a lot of young Brandon Peary in him. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's you know, like even now in Rockford, I don't know, I don't know where the goals are going to come from, and and obviously guys like four ten, and there, there are a lot of guys that that seem like they had a chance, and and Secura probably was at the top of the list, and. I, I still think Secure can, you know, I'm curious to see what he does in Vegas, but he, it's, I mean, there's a point where, yeah, the Blackhawks sort of lost patience and he wasn't what they were hoping he'd be and they needed someone offensively, those young guys to step up and um, they certainly saw that potential in Nylander and I think that's why they, you know, like they, there weren't a lot of young guys they thought that were like Nylander or could fill that role and, you know, Secure got his chances and just, uh, he just didn't produce, so um you know, going back to the defenseman, if I'm if I'm Carlson, I, I probably want out of Chicago, right? Like I, I, I don't see a path for. I mean, he's this is his third year pro. He was, uh, you know, arguably one of the better defensemen in Rock for the last two years. And where's my opportunity? I don't. I mean, it's because it's not even. I mean, we're still talking about when Seabrook comes back. I mean, that's going to complicate it. And um, yeah, I don't. I mean, well, the surely, path forward would be theoretically like if if a defenseman gets taken by Seattle, or or if there's trades at the deadline if they start moving some veterans like a Dehan or a Murphy. I mean, that's your path forward. If yeah. you're but the thing, it's I, weird I, because he's only played – I mean, we talk about Carlson like he's a proven player, and we were, I, I'm very high on him. I think you are too. But he played six games last year. Yeah, no, and I don't and – I, and I think what he does really well is he, is he passes it and they, they yep. struggle that, you know. But the other problem is that I think at some point you can't have too many guys on the ice that look like Carlson and Boquist and Mitchell. Like there's right. a – like it's, I mean, we see it every year. We saw it, you know, with Vegas and St. Louis and in Tampa. I mean, the size still matters, especially in the back end. And I just, um, you know, that's why they got guys even like Regula and and you know Velasic who they draft in the second round. And I, I, I think if you know if they get another high pick, they'll draft someone like an Owen Power because he has such size. Because it, it's nice to have those offensive guys, but I mean, it's also why Zadorov and Dehan are, are paired with Boquist and. And Mitchell and Camp because I don't think you can have two of those so small guys. Like I think at some point you need some larger guys or or some guys like Keith who you know who's not massive but Keith. I mean Keith, Keith can handle himself in any zone and I don't I don't think that's necessarily Mitchell or Boquist. All right, so let's say the Hawks are terrible this year and they win the draft lottery and Owen Power is a top guy. Can you can they really draft a defenseman that guy? I mean he's the guy and that he's the guy they need. They need a true number one, a big guy like that. But man. They still have they they need some offense too. They need some young offense. Well, I, I think the, the part of that is that maybe then Dahan and Murphy and those guys become a little bit more expendable. Like yeah. you can start trading pieces and and you start you know 
also freeing up cap space and, and maybe that's how you address some of these needs. But um, I mean, I, I think of, you know, like your top six in the future is going to be like the Brinkett, Doc, Kane, you know, Taves will be, still be in the mix and Kuba Leak and, and we'll see what Pia Suter is now. I mean, Pia Suter is, we haven't talked a lot about him, but I mean, they, it looks like he's going to get a chance to center a line and, um, you know, I, I think Reichel's in the mix within a year. I mean, this is a top 20 pick. He's playing in a, a men's league now in Germany in the top division. There's no reason why he couldn't be in the, playing in the AHL, basically. So uh, I, I don't know if he makes the Blackhawks lineup next year, but I think he's in Rockford and maybe he gets a chance. So I, I think his his timeline is 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 pretty quick. So I, I think, you know, I, I don't know if they're necessarily good within a year or two, but I think there's some younger guys in the fold. And, um, you know, if Nylander comes back and he's more of a top nine guy and he produces, I, I think there's some routes to success and, and it's not necessarily drafting a forward because I still think they need, like, as as deep, you know, it's weird to say the Blackhawks are deep at defense because I don't think we know still, like, sure, they have a lot of NHL-capable defensemen, but does it add up? Because, I mean, they still were worse than the league giving up shots and goal <laughs> last year, right? Like, it's, I, I don't think it's, maybe some of this fixes it, maybe it doesn't. So, um, and, and maybe some of it, and, and it's hard to just blame it like, com- completely on the, the forward, uh, the defenseman, because it, there is, the forwards have responsibility in that too, but... I'm uh, yeah, I'm curious to see. You know, certainly having Dahan out there from the start and and having um, yeah, yeah Zdorov should help you. But I, I'm I'm still curious to see what, how this all unfolds and whether defensively they are better. I mean, on paper it seems like they should be. Well, you talk about all those paths to success, and yeah, I mean, if you, if, if 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 a lot of things go right, and so far nothing has gone right. Obviously, things have gone terribly wrong the last few weeks. But if everything goes right, yeah, you could see in a year or two this team being pretty good. And I think that at least is the reasoning behind throwing these goalies out there. You know, not having Crawford suck up, you know, 75% of the games. I don't agree with it, but I understand it because what they're thinking is, let's see what these guys have. And if it's bad, we know we have to go out and get a goalie next offseason. We have to get a goalie in the summer. I think that's the idea. And Stan has kind of talked about that a little bit, saying we need to know what we have because we need to know if we need to go and get a goalie. Because if you sign Crawford for two years – it's the same thing next year. Are you going to go out and get a, 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 another, you know, five million dollar goalie, or are you going to just going to hope that Colin Dealey? And if 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 it, if a year or two from now, everything else is working, but you don't have the goalie, then it doesn't matter because you're going to be terrible without a goalie. Yeah. So this year really is as much as anything else about are any of these goalies good enough to be a part of the future? Like it's going to be a short audition. It's going to be it's going to be hard. You only got 56 games between three guys. And you're going to be doing it in a weird season. You're going to be playing Tampa Bay with 14% of your schedule. And you're going to have to figure it out behind a, a defense that's learning its way and that's trying to improve, but has a lot of young guys. And it's going to be hard to evaluate. A lot of it, a lot of his, a lot of weight is on Jimmy Waite's shoulders this year to evaluate these guys and to tell Stan if any of them is worthy of being the guy going forward. You, you you had a chance to talk to Stan Bowman for a while the other day, and 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 one of the few people who've talked to him in the last few weeks. And um, what 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 were your takeaways from from what you guys discussed? You know, I I, I know everybody always calls it word salad because he talks in gigantic paragraphs. I do the same thing. I'm guilty. I'm a filibuster or two. I talk. I'm not succinct, so I can appreciate that about him. But I, I, he's 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 being pretty open lately. I, I, I do feel like he's not spinning as hard as he used to. It used to be a lot of spin, a lot of it. Uh, but I feel like he's being more honest about the future, about what, what he sees, about what he wants to happen. Uh, he, he sounds genuinely 
upbeat and optimistic about where this team can be. I don't think he's being delusional about where they are now. I mean, he's he's trying to push back against the perception that they're just going to be, oh my God, fucking awful this year. Uh, he has to do that. That's You can't accept that. Um, but I think he's realistic about what the goals are this year. The goals are, you know, seeing who they have, making these guys get better over the course of the year, letting guys like Keith and Kane uh, bring them along, instill the right mentality into them. This is absolutely a rebuilding year. Even if the Hawks can't do the full rebuild because of the contracts they have, they are rebuilding in a lot of ways. It's not, it's, it's more than just the uh, quote-unquote retool. And I, I, I think Stan, I know he gets a lot of flack and a lot of it's deserved. I'm not here to defend him in a lot of ways. Uh, there's been a lot of poor decision-making over the years. But I think he has a handle on where this team is now, what it can be, and what needs to happen between now and then. He is more optimistic maybe than a lot of people are. But I don't think that's such a terrible thing. Yeah, and, and that's I mean that's his job too, right? Like it's it's he's also I, I guess he he needs to put some optimism to yeah. this. I mean that's that's he's he's in charge now. Like it's obviously he's accountable for why they why they are where they are. But but also that he's been put in charge of this next step and and making things better. And um, I, I I I do think you know the more that I talk to people and I, I think him being made president of hockey ops while I don't necessarily completely agree with it and that was the best decision I, I think it does give him the power and it does um, it does give him more freedom than he had before like you know the more the more stories I hear about uh, John McDonough or whoever yeah. else stepping in like that I think I think this is a you know like. I know they downplayed it, and even when Danny was asked about it, if, if he felt like Stan didn't have enough control before, and and I, I think they're staring clear of you know tarnishing McDonough's uh, legacy there, but I, I do think that he had a large hand in decisions, and and some of it was maybe Stan Bowman not fighting back and pushing McDonough yeah. on it. Yeah, that and, goes and both I, ways. Yeah. So I, I think there's some of that, but I I do think um, it, it all falls on him now, you know, like he, he's, a, he's the head of the tree and I, and I don't sense that Danny words or anyone else is stepping in and, and interfering and, and not that Stan Bowman won't listen to people, but I, um, ultimately it's, it's going to be his decision. And, and I don't know if that was always the case before. Yeah. There's, there's no, there's no, not that he had, excuse, he, he didn't, he never publicly made excuses, but there's no excuses anymore. You know, we've always been able to say, yeah, John McDonough meddled or this guy stepped in or this guy pushed back against the idea of doing this or or or, or cutting guys off earlier and things like that. But uh, there's no excuses anymore. No matter what happens the next few years, he is the president of hockey ops and the general manager. And he has an owner who has no hockey background whatsoever and seems to have very little appetite to, to have – or a, a, a CEO, I should say, Danny Wirtz, seems to have very little appetite to interfere in a, a business president, Jamie Faulkner, who's focused on the business side of things. This is Stan's team more than it's ever been before. For better or worse, uh, he's going to get a chance to prove either everyone wrong or prove everyone right because whatever happens these next few years of his contract – uh, leading up to that fateful summer when Kane, Keith, Taves, Debrinket, and Stan's contracts all come all come off the books, this that's going to be his ultimate legacy beyond those Stanley Cups. And and I feel like there's a couple signs lately that Stan moment is, is different. I felt like the Kirby Doc sending him to to play in the World Juniors it was easy because it wasn't going on, but um, they, they didn't pull him back. Like even when you know there's a bit of a COVID outbreak, and and certainly you know like it, it, there are reasons they, he should have maybe been pulled back, and 
And even when there were signs of the season coming that maybe maybe the Blackhawks, but and and, and even in your you know when you talked to him, he mentioned knowing a risk, but also knowing that how important it was to Kirby Doc and. Uh, you know, I think Doc more than anyone, like, you know, just, I think that was, it was really important from, you know, everything I've heard that it was, yeah. that, that he, he took it really hard last year. And, um, and last year it's, it, it, from what I heard too, is that it was more John McDonough's decision that Kirby Doc didn't go that, um, certainly maybe Stan didn't push hard enough, but that it was, uh, and their last season would have made a lot of more, you know, like even when, when you look at the Yoki Hard decision, like that. Doc certainly fell in that range where he wasn't playing a lot, and um, maybe that would have helped him. And I know that it probably meant more to Doc than, than like, where Yoki Haru was a little upset that he was going yeah. there and that he wasn't playing, that Doc Doc would have loved the dead. So, um, and then I feel like the Dylan Strom negotiations, you know, I, I think that Strom's camp asked for a significant amount more than he got, and um, this was this was a fair contract. This was, um, I, I don't know, if, I feel like the Blackhawks have either caved in or, or they've traded players off when negotiations haven't gone their way. So that brings Strom at that number, um, and maybe that's a sign. And I think the more that Stan Bowman, um, you know, like sometimes you, you're going to hurt people's feelings, and ultimately Strom did miss the open of, opening day of physicals. You know, like there was a slight uh, slight holdout, and 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 I, I don't think the Blackhawks were gonna like they they worked with him on number, but they weren't gonna they weren't gonna say we're gonna give you five million just to get you signed like they would have had had right. him hold out. So <laughs> I think that was key too. That I think those are a couple signs where Stan Bowman maybe is is different, and I think especially in negotiations where I mean when you look at a lot of their problems, it was because of mismanaged yeah, you know contracts and giving too much term or giving too much money, and so. Um, maybe maybe the Strom was uh, the first step towards uh, you know them kind of handling the the cap a little bit better. Look at us being all optimistic and bright eyed. <laughs> Ask us again in a month when they're uh, <laughs> we'll see what their record is. But hey, you know the season's about to start. Everyone's always excited. Training camp. Everyone's in the best shape of their lives. I am not. Um, <laughs> it's it, it's fun to be around the rink. It's fun to be talking real hockey and not just hypotheticals anymore. Um, I'm a little bummed that we won't be in Tampa for that opening night. Yeah, especially um, the weather would have been nice. Yeah. I've been at a few banner-raising ceremonies over the years. They've been fun. Uh, one in L.A., two in Chicago. They're they're fun to do. Um, but uh, looking forward to having real hockey to talk about soon. Yeah. Actual, no, actual good. regular we'll, season uh, games. We'll uh, eventually we'll, – we'll, we'll, we'll get people's questions on the podcast and we'll, we'll have this – um, yeah, we'll, we'll get into more of a rhythm here. But I, we, I think we've we'll been see. talking long and hard about adding goofy sound effects so that we're more like a 1990s morning zoo show. <laughs> I think that's what we need. It's it's our next uh, next line of business. <laughs> so until then, uh, thanks for listening. I'm Mark Lazarus. I'm Scott Powers. See ya. Take care. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try?